Hello everyone and welcome to Women Decode STEM, a weekly podcast where we talk to remarkable women in the STEM field from engineers to leaders, teachers to entrepreneurs and discuss career, work culture, gender equality, mentorship and more. I'm your host Neha Savnoor. Today's guest is Swati Kakarla. She is the CTO of Script, a multidisciplinary technology consulting company. She's been an entrepreneur for the last seven years and enjoys coding. Along with her team at Script, she has built products like HelloNext, which is a tool for organizations to collect and process user feedback. She has expertise in multiple coding languages and technology frameworks. Additionally, Swati is also an open source contributor. Outside of her work, she gives talks about code, tech and startups and also advocates for women and girls in tech. I'm excited to talk to her about her entrepreneurial journey, the growth of her company and women in tech. Hi Swati, welcome to the show. Hi Neha, that was such a warm welcome. I feel so good about myself already. (laughs) Yeah, this is just what you have done. So (laughs) Um, so Swati, to get started, um, how did you begin your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, um, to be really honest, I was just a very bored college student. Um, so I did my engineering, as most Indians do. Um, I did it in Chennai, and the city that I live in India. Um, and I think it was about the third or second of the third year. And um, I, to be honest, I was just bored. I love to code. Um, I think my earliest memories of code was like probably in the seventh or the eighth grade. If I'm not wrong, trying to solve my maths homework with code because I was just too lazy to um, actually do the homework with pen and paper. So I think you could probably narrow down the origins of all of my habits and my interests to laziness. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that, that's basically um, where... The idea, I guess, came out of, um, so I was just in college and I really liked to code, but I wasn't uh, actually learning how to code, um, just, you know, Indian education system, I guess. Um, so I started venturing out. I was, I was just curious. So I started attending hackathons and meetups and all of these things. Um, at that point, I didn't re- realize, but I was probably the only woman or maybe one of two women in a room full of men. Um, And I came across this really nice organization called Google Developers Group. um, And they were hosting a woman in tech conference. And I was like, wow, that's so cool because I've not not met a lot of women in tech. Um, And I attended that. And, you know, just one thing led to another. And uh, yeah, here I am seven years later. Um, running a business that I started in my third year of college. Wow, that's incredible. I think it's the opposite story for me. I absolutely did not like coding <laughs> in school or <laughs> in college. I think it, I acquired the taste for coding much later in life. So this is really nice that you got started pretty young. I would completely um, attribute that to my dad. So I think I was like in the 10th grade probably and um, my laptop completely broke down and um, I was like daddy need to fix this Uh, or give it to like a computer service agency and get it fixed and he was like you're in your 10th 
a standard holiday. So in India, we write the board exams in 10th. Um, and he was like, you're in your holidays. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to waste my money or my time getting it fixed. You have nothing better to do. So you do it yourself. So that was when I started. And before this, I did code because um, I think my dad was an engineer and it was just like a force of habit. At that point of time, it was pretty cool um, trying to fix my Windows laptop. Uh, I couldn't fix it, so I ended up installing Linux. And I just felt like a hacker because I was going all into like boot settings and I was installing Linux. And I felt so cool when I finally um, did it. And that's, that's when the curiosity really started. That's great. Yeah, once you get uh, started with it and you experiment with it, it's not that hard. You can figure it yeah. out. So. Yeah, that's amazing. Exactly. I think the biggest hurdle to overcome is it's been done before and you can do it too. Exactly. Um, when it comes to code. Yeah. yeah. And if not, Google it. There's always a Stack Overflow link. <laughs> yeah. There's always a way to find out. That's right. Um, so Swati, can you tell us a little bit of what you do at Script as a consulting company? So I am the CTO and the co-founder at Script. So since I am both, my roles are all over the place. Um, I could do anything from like reviewing code to figuring out what to post on social media, right? Because we're a bootstrap company and I wear multiple hats. Um, so when it comes to like my day-to-day, -day, it's a lot of talking to the team. Um, when it comes to tech, like solving their problems, figuring out what to build next, talking to clients, all of this. And apart from that, we made a conscious decision to stay bootstrapped. Um, and that comes from giving a lot of importance to the culture uh, at Script, right? When I started out, I didn't really know what this meant. I didn't know that a company had a culture. But as I progressed, um, there was a certain way that I like to be treated and I like to treat people in my company. Um, so that kind of grew and I wanted to standardize it. So a lot of my time also involves in uh, building culture at Script, making sure everyone's taken care of, that there is no like blame game and, you know, just, just making it a really nice place to come and work. I think uh, that's extremely important in my uh, view as well. And I think right now, a lot of companies are really focused on um, setting the culture right, which should be yes. done from the get-go. So it's great to see that you're doing, you're taking an active part in doing that. So you said you got started with Script like seven years ago. Uh, what yeah. did the initial days look like at Script? Uh, did you have, how many co-founders did you have? And uh, how yeah. did you land your first client? Right. Um, the initial days of my company um that was crazy because uh we've always been bootstrapped and always stayed bootstrapped so our initial i think investment into, into the company considering that i was a college student and my two other co-founders one of them is actually a year younger than me so he was obviously a college student <laughs> and the other person who is now my husband he was working and then he quit his job so we all met at a tech um, event organized by Google Developers Group. Something just clicked between the three of us and we all had the same vision. So we, we just wanted to basically start. Um, and we didn't really know what to do, but we knew that we wanted to kind of make a difference. We knew that we were a good team and we knew that we loved tech. 
right? That was kind of the reason why we started. We didn't know that we were starting a company. We just wanted to like work together and create something. So initially, it was a lot of um, coffee shops, a lot of uh, hackathons sitting in the car of my co-founder because you, eventually you get kicked out of coffee shops. Uh, <laughs> so it was that. But um, I think after that, we all settled into our own roles. We found, our, found each other's strengths and kind of um, kept at it. And uh, yeah, so here we are a couple of years later, we're, we're about 20 people strong and we've got offices, thankfully, um, in multiple places across the globe. Things are looking good. That's great to hear. It's amazing how you found your co-founders because I've seen a lot of people struggle with finding yeah. people who are like-minded. So this is a great story. And did you really face any challenges initially because you were new to the business world? You're a consulting company, so you have to have some kind of credibility or something to show to land clients. And you also said that you, over the years, built your infrastructure. So like, what was your initial struggle like? It, it's true of any company because you don't have credibility and no one really knows who you are, right? Um, and I think this is really where fake it till you make it comes because one of our first or few client meetings, we used to say, yeah, we're a 10 people company. We've been around for a couple of years. We've got people from this, that. We used to do that. But the thing is, we always used to deliver, right? We knew that we could do it. And it was just a matter of convincing the client that we could do it. Um, so it was just the three of us. And um, of course, late nights and all of that uh, was, was there. But I think what really got us through um, was our shared vision, right? Uh, that we wanted to do this, no matter how hard it was, um, that, that we're going to stick through with it, right? So kind of going back to, the, to your point where you said that it's hard to find co-founders, it's absolutely true because this is like, this is like a marriage, basically. And if it works, it works, or it, 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 if it doesn't, it doesn't, which is why um, communication and culture and vision um, is so important. And fortunately, um, since we started out as friends first, um, I felt, feel it was easier because we were able to understand each other. And I think our qualities also kind of um, really fit well together. So... What is the the difference between like a consulting company and a product based company? Right, um, they're a completely different ball game, right? Both of them. If you're a tech company, you can be either this or that. What we've done, we've always wanted to kind of stay on our own feet, and in order to do that, when you're bootstrapped, you need you need cash flow, right? Um, and if if you want if you want to do that, you can either look at investments, or you can look at generating income and Something that came to our mind or was fitting with us well was consulting, right? Um, and I, I think why we did this was because we were better technologists than we were business people. So it was easy for us to land clients and convince people. And because we had the tech credibility, right? We were, by that time, we were already contributing to open source. Um, we were already proficient at certain technology, not because of education, but because of the way tech is structured, right? It's so easy to learn and the community is so open. So all of this kind of led us to, if we need to make money, let's show off our tech skills, get clients and get paid rather than putting on a suit and talking to investors and, and getting invested, right? So that was 
that was how it started out for us. So that's essentially what a consulting company is, that you look for clients, you build your portfolio, or build your brand and clients find you and you build technology solutions for them, right? Now, when this is there, it's a completely different beast to what a product company is, where you build something in-house and then you sell that to anyone, right? This is essentially like any SaaS business, like Uber or Twitter, whatever it is, right? This is like a product. From a business perspective, this is the difference. And when it comes to um, the team, managing the team and all of that, when you're a consultancy, one way or the other, you are responsible for someone else, right? Because you're talking to clients. Um, and that involves a lot of planning, hiring the right people, and a lot of communication versus a product company where you set the rules. That's essentially what you do. So managing a tech team for a product, I would say is a little bit easier than for consulting because for consulting, you need to get it done no matter what. And for product, you have a little leeway. If something goes wrong, there's a couple of people who are kind of pissed off at you, but you can get it fixed and you can move on, right? There's no legal um, issues. Um, I worked uh, in consulting like most of my career. I've never started one, but I've worked as a consultant. So I completely agree with um, the points that you made. And I think uh, like if you're, if you work at a consulting firm, then it's easier for you to expand your skill set not only yeah. in technology but also like communication like you said and figuring out exactly. the whole process so yeah exactly which is why i, I was mentioning that uh, that hiring is a completely different ball game as well because in consulting you need people um, who are really curious and who can you know pick up multiple hats whereas for product it's very streamlined you, you want a backend developer you hire that backend developer and they work on that one particular thing. Do you have any tips for anyone who's looking to start their own consulting company? I would say focus more on branding and marketing before you just get out there, send cold emails and do the, all the salesy stuff. Because there's a, there's a million consulting companies, right? Um, it, it's not really hard for clients to choose A over B. Um, there needs to be something unique that you're providing. And that generally comes out of how you portray yourself um, to the world, right? This could either mean um, that you're very people focused and you have a great team, you have the great values, or you are technology focused and um, you pick up the latest, greatest of tech and then you do something, right? But there's, since you're essentially selling yourself, it's always good to have um, great branding and great marketing to set the tone before you just hit the road and start selling. And um, how has Script grown from its inception, uh, whether it's the team or your tech uh, stack expertise? Uh, I think the company is a reflection of the founders. We started when we were very young and as we've grown, we've, we've been able to do things better at the company. Now, I would not say that we're still there yet. We're still always learning. But I think one of the things that has changed um, I think is kind of the resilience. We've always stayed true to culture. We've always built upon that and um, always made sure that was that that never changed. When you start out, you generally have like a family bonding kind of situation with your team, with your employees, um, and that usually kind of disintegrates as you kind of grow up, right? Because yeah, yeah. it's it's hard to do this. Um, and essentially what happens uh, then is that you just become like a corporate, right? Like you have a problem, go talk to HR. You have that sort of culture and we never wanted that. So we were very 
focused on that um and we always made it a place where there's always open communication um that you take responsibility uh we've always kind of stayed true to that and i think um that is something that hasn't changed and what has probably changed is um we were very haphazard in the first uh, few years if something needs to get to get done we would just kind of jump into it and get it done rather than planning for it and thinking about the future thinking about uh, the repercussion stuff like that right so the organizational capabilities and the team management capabilities came much later on as a consequence of time yeah makes a lot of sense and the point that you said about growing the team and still being small is so crucial seen that myself in the teams that i've worked initially it was like very welcoming and warm and you know each other but as the company yeah. grows and expands like you lose that kind of value which is um not a nice feeling so it's good that you're yeah. focusing on it and talk, talking a little bit about the tech uh, part of it yeah. like what kind of trends are you seeing with your clients do you think that people in india the companies in india are open to using um, experimenting with like emerging technologies like vr ar ai whatever it is most of our clients are actually outside of india so we've got clients in dubai and germany and australia the us as well we've focused very little on indian clients because when you're a consulting company in india and you have an indian client these two things just don't go together right it's <laughs> it's really hard uh for one to get people to trust you because that that thing that um young people can't do it startups are just experimenting and they're not really someone that you can trust is kind of still there that is yeah. there and another thing payments in india is not fun is not fun at all right we've had a lot of horror stories there are good ones there are people um and there are people that we work with jerem who are amazing um but they're they're, they're diamond in the rough right um so when i think what we've done over the years is kind of focused outside of india mm-hmm. um i don't i don't seem to be rude because i love my country it's just that it's it's something that we need to get better at yeah um and i think when i focused outside of india what we've seen is larger companies are generally they're kind of scared to adopt new tech and mm-hmm. anytime you actually play around with new tech is when they're a founder right they're starting up their company or they they are a large company and they're building out a division um which wants to focus like let's say on blockchain or ai and that's when um companies start looking at new tech so yeah so i i think though there's so many examples that you need to be updated on your tech especially if you're in this space you need to play with the latest and the greatest there's still some sort of friction uh in that and which is why i think companies like us make a difference because we've always kind of stayed ahead in tech because of the nature nature of our company and that is kind of has um, enabled us to kind of be like the r&d wing for large companies where we're ready to experiment and um we also looking at like data driven results so it's not just that um hey blockchain's new why don't you try this it's not that it's that hey you're a logistics company and you are suffering with credibility in your data so maybe blockchain is the right thing for you right so that's how we look at things that's how we look at tech yeah i i 
really like the two points that you made uh, about people trusting um, young people in India to solve problems. Yeah. There is so much talent that is just going away outside of the country. I really hope that they make use of it. I've seen some changes being made, whether it's the uh, policies level or international players coming into India to actually yeah. uh, get involved. So I hope Absolutely. to see some changes in the coming years. For sure. I think in, in this sense, product companies, I think, are doing much better, right? And when you're B2C, when you're serving customers directly, India is like probably the best place because we've got so many customers just because of, you know, the population that we are. And there's a lot of people getting online um, and it's almost second nature for to see people like as old as like 50s, 60s or even older having a smartphone and, you know, um, just using apps like Uber and Dunzo and all of these things. And these are people that sometimes struggle with English, but they're so efficient at using smartphones, right? The, the customers are more ready to trust young people um, with you know, business as long as it solves a problem for them. Uh, than like really old companies headed by really old guys trusting consulting companies. That's a great point. Yeah. So can you tell us about the products that you've launched? I know that you're a consu- you're focused on consulting, but yeah. you've also launched a few products uh, that organizations yeah. can use. We've always kind of focused a, a percentage of our, let's say, team or our brain power, I guess, on building products. Um, Consulting uh, is great. It's great while it lasts, but you're always dependent on another person to like kind of generate income for you. So we've always kind of had one foot on this and one foot on that. And um, over the years, we've uh, come up with so many products and always try to like do something with it. But I think we've really hit the nail on the head with HelloNex. So HelloNex essentially is a product growth tool and it allows you to capture user feedback um, set the roadmap for your product, set the, set the vision, publish change logs, all of this in one single um, platform called HelloNext. So we are um, a web and a mobile app. We currently have like 200 um, customers using it. It's been about two years. Wow. And um, we're seeing the revenue being generated from it, like after seven years of um, effort that we kind, kind of, finally hit a product that is revenue positive. And it's great. It's, it's great to see that kind of play into our company. And right now we're in this very weird state where we're not exactly a consulting company. We're not exactly a product <laughs> company. We're somewhere in between. So that also is a whole different ballgame um, because how do you manage your team, right? You've only got a set of people to work on all of these things that you're doing. And when you wake up, um, do you fix like a 500 that's on your product and that's affecting real people? Or do you stay on a timeline for a consulting company, uh, for a consulting project and make sure your deliverables, deliverables are being met, right? With HelloNex, we've recently launched on Product Hunt and it was such a surprise for us because we usually plan our Product Hunt launches, but um, one of our HelloNex customers was so happy with the product that he posted it on Product Hunt and we were so surprised because we got a ping on Twitter. Hey, uh, you've been added as a maker. 
um, and someone has posted you on Product Hunt and we were like, out of all the products that we prepared for, we didn't prepare for this and here we are right now. But it was great because we um, ended the day, I think, as the number two or the number three product. Yeah, which, um, which was great. And it was so nice um, when we got hunted on the platform and we sent out like an emailer to all of our customers asking us to support us. And they were over the moon. They were like, of course, I mean, I love you guys and um, I love the product and I'd be happy to write like a testimonial. It was really nice um, to hear that because that's not usually what you hear from clients. <laughs> Right, that that they have your back. Yeah, um, that's great because I think it's getting harder to launch products on Product Hunt and get noticed. Yeah. So it's great that you made it to to number two. And yeah, I've seen people really put in a lot of time and effort to yeah. uh, launch on that. So that's amazing. Um, and you made a great point about um, you don't know where to focus like on your product or on the consulting side of things. I think yeah. it's a good problem to have. I think you can grow in both directions going forward. Yeah. So, <laughs> And you add in a pandemic to that and you, know, you just have, I would love to say a great problem to solve, but you know, sometimes it makes me, it, it keeps me up at night. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Um, you also briefly mentioned that you contribute to open source uh, projects. Yeah. So how did you get involved in this and uh, what projects have you contributed towards? Right. Um, so this kind of goes back to uh, culture, right? Um, so at, I forgot what year we were on, but we had this conversation where um, we felt that it was the company's responsibility to make sure that everyone at the company, their career is set and it's always evolving so that a couple of years later, um, they're not stuck with a resume that says PHP developer, right? 10 years down the line, that you're always up to date. So we wanted to ensure that um, you're always growing as a developer. And one of those things um, we wanted to do was contribute to open source, right? Um, I think that's a that's probably the best thing about tech since it's so open and it's so easy to learn. And there's always people, people welcoming you and ready to help you that it's easy to pick up new skills. So we wanted to kind of push that from the company as well. So we had one of these things where um, we wanted everyone in the company to commit to any open source project um, by the end of the year. And I wanted to like stay true, the, true to the promise. And I thought, okay, I use Ruby on Rails day in, day out. And there's a couple of issues that I've, I've identified with the platform itself. And mm -hmm. instead of, you know, posting about it on Stack Overflow, why don't we go to GitHub and um, raise a PR that fixes this? What happened was when, when I actually went to um, GitHub slash Rails, right? There's a bunch of issues that were already open. And I thought of picking up one of them but then quickly realized that um, the Rails source code is so large and I'm not going to get this done over the weekend. <laughs> so I was like, okay, fine. This is kind of hard. Let me do something that I actually want um, in the Rails framework itself because that motivates me more. Um, so one of those things was I felt that the string library in Rails wasn't complete and there was a couple of things that you could do um, better with it. Mm -hmm. So I proposed an issue and that got accepted and then I raised a PR and I thought that was the end of it, it's gonna get merged and it took me one month to get my first open source PR merged. Uh, I could never have learned 
what I learned in that month, like given probably four years of, of my career, right? Um, because there were so many little details that volunteers focused on, people who would review my uh, PR. And uh, I was so surprised that people were actually spending this amount of time of their own personal time to review PRs and especially someone um, as naive as mine uh, and actually giving really good constructive feedback. So I worked on that and after a month of it being open and people pointing out, do this, you can do this better, you can do this better, it finally got merged. And um, so I was in the IST time zone and I think whoever merged it was probably in some US time zone. So they merged it when I was sleeping and I woke up and I saw this email from GitHub and it says, your PR has been merged. I was like the happiest person that day because after a month of effort, it finally got merged. And the best part was going to like um, the Rails website slash contributors and seeing my name on there was like the best thing of my career. Yeah. That's that's a great story. I personally <laughs> haven't contributed to open source, but I do use a lot of open source. So yeah. I, I have read a lot of blog posts about um, how how hard it is to get your code accepted into um, the source yeah. code. So it, this is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I think for me as well, because I've never actually had a job, right? I've never um, had the kind of opportunity to learn from people who are more experienced for me because fortunately or unfortunately, I was always the most experienced um, person in my company, right? So that kind of gave me the opportunity to learn from others and drive those learnings back into the company, back into my people and kind of like upskill everyone again. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, a good way to learn for people who actually don't have corporate jobs, but really want yeah. to get into tech or learn uh, different technologies. Yeah. Exactly. Um, now I want to switch gears a little and talk about things that I'm personally very interested in, about being a woman in technology and startup. <laughs> um, so you have two male co-founders and yeah. you being the only uh, woman on the, the founding team, have you experienced any kind of difference in the way clients or your team has looked at you or treated you? Yeah. Um, when it comes to my team, when it comes to my co-founders, um, absolutely not at all. And I am—I wouldn't say I'm thankful, but I'm—I think I'm happy that they have <laughs> good heads or good brains on their heads, because um, I think that is the expected result when you're working in a team, and not something that um, needs to be kind of like praised, right? I do have a couple of funny stories. Um, once we have we were working with an intern he was from some college um in in chennai uh so he finished his one month internship at the company and what we usually do is we like hire interns in batches we hire one for the summer hire, hire a batch for the summer and hire a batch for the winter basically whenever their colleges give like term offs um so there's a bunch of um interns in the summer group so basically once the internship is done um they're all supposed to kind of talk to the team about the experience, what they learned, stuff like this. So one after the other, they're talking and this guy gets on and um, he looks at me and he said, uh, I'm, so, I'm so happy to have done my internship here because this is where I found out that wo that woman could code. <laughs> what is wrong with you? We are no different. <laughs> we have a couple of physical um, differences, but nothing in our heads is different. After I spoke to him, I 
I understood that he was not trying to be rude, but he was just kind of surprised because he's never met a woman developer before. So he just thought that this is just not something that women enjoy uh, to do. And um, he came to script and lo and behold, the CTO is a lady. <laughs> I think um, in that sense, which is why I'm so passionate about getting more women into tech. Um, when it comes to clients, the more corporate you get, unfortunately, it's not that great. Um, because generally, the entire conversation is kind of directed at one of my male co-founders, right? People don't really sometimes look you in the eye. It's just like, yeah, you're there, I acknowledge your presence, but I know the decision makers are these people, right? It's kind of that. And there's always a certain assumption that I am probably like, I don't know, some sort of marketing person or sales for something, right? But not tech. That kind of um, stereotype is already established the second you walk into the room. And then it's quite funny when um, the technologies conversation gets started and uh, my co-founders are like, why don't you talk to Swati? <laughs> and then, you know, you just kind of have to go with it and kind of show your worth in your work. Um, and I think that's, that's always the better thing to do, take the higher road. Yeah, I think this is a global problem. Anywhere in the world you go, the stereotype still remains. So I hope we can break that with more women getting into tech. Absolutely, we will do that. We are doing that. <laughs> um, how important is it for you to have like a support system to make this possible? And what role have your like family and friends played um, in your entrepreneurial journey so far? I, I think... Uh... It's so incredibly important and I'm so super blessed to have parents that support me on this journey. Entrepreneurship is like, it's probably one of the uh, heaviest mental tolls that you can put on yourself. The journey itself is uh, really, really tough and is almost a reflection of the kind of courage um, and your mental state that you have. Um, there's a lot of things always make you feel like you're not worth it. And this is the end of the road. So there's a lot of optimism and positivity and sometimes just sleep tomorrow will be better <laughs> sort of days. And it's definitely been so helpful to have kind of parents who sometimes who don't really understand the journey, but then understand you and be like, yeah, okay, I, I, whatever you need, I'm there for you, right? And just to have like a conversation um, is, is always great. I think this is again where having a great co-founder, someone that you can trust really, is really, really important, right? So they can just kind of talk to each other because there's essentially no one else that can understand your journey. Yeah, that's great that you have people around you who are supporting you from the get-go, so... Um, so Swati, towards the end of our conversation, I have a rapid fire round for you. Are you ready for it? Do I get a hamper at the end of this? <laughs> it depends on that. Yeah, I can mail you a hamper. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Okay, uh, first question. What inspires you to get to work every morning? Uh, it's it's code <laughs> and that's all it is it's my terminal it's my black screen and um, the possibility of uh, learning something new every day great uh, second question being organized or attention to detail doesn't being organized kind of make you uh, pay attention to detail um not uh, always no, I think it's. It, I think it's always important to um, be organized because I think kind of gives you a framework to 
solve problems as it comes rather than um, kind of sequentially focusing on each problem and then getting lost in the details. So I think organization planning and preparing, no matter how mundane that sounds, is incredibly important. It's going to save you um, when it really matters. Uh, last question, your favorite book? I have so many, um, but I think something that I always come back to is it's fiction, right? Um, if I'm in a state of mind where I need to kind of let go and just uh, divert my mind because that's probably the only thing that you can do when you're, you're having a problem that cannot be fixed, right? Mm-hmm. Is I always come back to, um, to fiction, right? One of the uh, books that I always come back to is any book by Roald Dahl, right? He was my um, childhood author. I love his books. I love the BFG, um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and all of these things because you just kind of get lost in them. And of course, cult favorite, Harry Potter, all of these um, books. And I think when it comes to um, tech, I would say one of the books that um, really inspired me to uh, write great code was Poodle by Sandy Metz. Um, She is like an iconic Ruby woman. Um, I've binge watched all of her (laughs) tech talks on YouTube and like read her book uh, multiple times recommended to everyone that I know. And I think that really framed um, how I write code today. Uh, yeah, so I think, yeah, I think these are a couple of my favorite books. Great. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. I had a great uh, conversation with you today. Thank you so much. It was fantastic. And you're an incredible host. I, I completely forgot that um, I was doing a podcast. <laughs> I was just thinking that I was having a conversation with you. Okay, I'm glad that you did. (laughs) That's the whole intent. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Women Decode STEM. If you're new here, please take a minute to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review on iTunes. It helps me get my message out to a wider audience. All the social links to my guests are in the show notes. I will talk to you next week. Until then, I hope you have a great day and the rest of the week ahead. Bye.